The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Hello and welcome to another Football to the Max and the first one where we talk about regular season football on this show. Now I will say this, of course Eric and I are both here. Uh, We are, I'm having to, it's the calm before the storm right now. Uh, Eric's going to get hit a lot less harder than than I am, Uh, but uh, we, I'm having to sort of move out of my apartment and go to a family member's apartment uh, further into Miami. And thankfully for Eric, once it hits him, it looks like it's going to drop down a lot. So it won't be uh, too big of a deal, but it's still a hurricane. So you got to be careful, you know, because things can always happen. But uh, unless for some reason things kind of clear up, it's probably very slim that we do a show on Monday night uh, because the hurricane is supposed to still be it's supposed to basically do this like thing where it just kind of sits there for a long time and it's going to take up basically all of Sunday and well into Monday and if the destruction is as bad as they say it's going to be there's probably not going to be any like, oh, let's go back down to Homestead and see how everything is, and, you know, it, it's, like, power's probably going to be out and stuff like that, and, I mean, if, uh, you know, if for some reason, like, power comes back up and, you know, everything's okay with Eric, because I think that's about when it's going to be hitting for him is Monday, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going to say that it's, we might, uh, maybe, depending on the, how things go, you know, how everything goes with how the hurricane hits, maybe Tuesday night or something like that, we can come in and kind of, even though it'll be late, we can just do the show anyway. You guys listen, then you do. If you don't, you don't. But um, just to kind of be able to get that week one out there. Uh, but, yeah, it's very, very unlikely you'll hear from us. Monday night, Tuesday morning after that Monday night game, after the two Monday night games. Uh, so it'll probably be more like Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, as long as everything's okay. If not, it may not be until Thursday night, and we'll just have to figure out something. I don't know, maybe two shows that night or something. But 
anyway, uh, now that uh, we've gotten our weather advisory out of here, uh, Eric, um, it's, it is nice to have regular season football to now be able to discuss on this on the show. Not just regular season football, but a hell of an opening game. Yeah. Now, be cautious because there's a little history behind this, but I'm optimistic. Yeah, certainly there is. There's uh, some history of you know when the Patriots came a few years ago, they got whooped by the Chiefs. They came in the next week and they whooped that team and kind of went on to be in the Patriots. Again, look, uh, you know, the Patriots also lost early last year, too. So, uh, and they escaped almost losing to Arizona and all that stuff. So, uh, this isn't uncommon where the Patriots perhaps struggle to start a season. None doesn't happen all the time, but this one was a special case and we'll get into it. Why obviously the injuries to Julian Edelman and, and really it felt like earlier in the day, they just suddenly announced that Malcolm Mitchell was also going on season ending IR. So then you're down two receivers before you even play the game. And, you know, later in this game, you find out more information. Uh, you find you get another injury. So, and then they get a big injury on defense. So, uh, th- those are things we'll we'll kind of come in here talk about. But I know a lot of people had questions about, oh, Alex Smith is he going to feel that pressure from Patrick Mahomes? You know, we have a Chiefs fan, Robert Taylor, who's part of our uh, website staff. He he was all up on Mahomes. Uh, he was he was wanting him to start pretty much immediately. And when things were not going that great for Kansas City, within that first half, you know, first quarter or so, he was already calling Mahomes in, Mahomes in. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's interesting that, you know, you think maybe that's what's happening, but no. And then a lot of people had questions about Kareem Hunt. Can he come in and give you what you had with Spencer Ware and you don't need a Charkandrick West or, or, you know, they already released CJ Spiller again uh, to kind of be a second guy? Well, both of those questions were answered here. And really, uh, it, it also was not only those two guys. It was Tyreek Hill. It was some of that offense, but the defense uh, stepped up big time uh, in various spots for Kansas City, and that was a problem for New England because their defense, which had been the number one scoring defense last season, did not uh, step it up here uh, at all. But, you know, the the Patriots kind of took an early lead. Uh, then they had a a touchdown that gets overturned on an incomplete pass to Gronk when it looked like they might run away with it. Gillisley is right there on a fourth and one. He doesn't get it. Turnover on downs. This leads to the really good touchdown drive by the Chiefs where they just drive it down methodical. Everything else. The 
Patriots come back down. They they get really fast passes, and they get a field goal. The Chiefs have Alex Smith get sacked, which is the first sack from Trey Flowers from Arkansas. So go Hogs on that one. And yeah, yeah, first to three, he gets three sacks in this game. And then you know later on. They get the uh, the Chiefs end the half on a another just really good drive, and Cream Hunt catches the touchdown after Cream Hunt had fumbled on his first run in his career. What a way to start your career for Kareem Hunt! But yeah, that first half things stayed tight. It looked like you know the the Patriots were going to be the Patriots. But you could see things creeping up for them as far as the defense was letting a lot happen. And and the the Chiefs offense was just kind of driving it along, doing their thing. Yeah, the offense, and I was very pleased to the fact that they took risks. Maybe the Mahomes pressure was part of it, but... In the end, you had more opportunities, guys were getting wide open, and you were getting 30, 40, 50, 60-yard plays. And final stat line, Alex Smith, only his seventh, seventh 300-yard game. Yep, in his entire career, one of the... Uh Lowest, along with uh, Trent Dilfer, and uh, there was somebody else that was kind of notable. Uh, that Terry, had... Br- Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw, Super Bowl winner. Yeah, Super Bowl winner, but remember, he got to the Pro Bowl for throwing twelve hundred and fifty for fo- throwing for twelve hundred and fifty yards that particular season. And well, Dan, when you're on a God team like he was. Well, a God team, and it was also back in the 70s. I mean, Dan Pastorini is known for two things. Being one of the guys to hand the ball off to Walter Payton in Chicago, and being the first player to ever wear a flak jacket in 1978. (laughs) He's not really known for his quote-unquote stellar career. I mean, he played for the Oilers, so what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that tells you a lot, actually, but... Going back to Alex Smith for a second, we saw him in this game air it out a lot more than we have seen him in the past. Yeah, that first half was kind of the, okay, here's the Chiefs. This is what they do. They're methodical. They're getting it down the field. They're throwing shovel passes to Travis Kelsey because he's being locked down by the, the Patriots. All this stuff there, you know, Kareem Hunt is is getting some yards, uh, but it's not anything too crazy. He gets that touchdown, the first touchdown pass and things kind of seem like, all right, the Chiefs are going to grind it out. You know, they're going to do their thing. And then in the second half, it just absolutely turns on its head. The Mm -hmm. second possession of the second half, Tyree Kill gets a 75 yard Bomb from Alex Smith. And touchdown. The Chiefs are now ahead. You're looking at this. 
And it felt like the Patriots were just taking a hit and and moving on. Uh, they do suffer the Donta Hightower injury, which I think really impacted them as far as a lot of talk was made about, okay, the Patriots, they lost a lot of guys that they used to rely on to be the leaders, to be everything else. Dante Hightower was, is a guy that has injury history. Down he goes. He's a very crucial linebacker for them. And then things kind of started to to seem like they were – you could see the cracks showing a little bit for, mm-hmm. for the Patriots. But they kept on. They kept on doing the thing. You know, Tom Brady's still – Getting him down the field. Get, uh, what about Gillisley? Three touchdown runs. I mean, if you started Gillisley in your fantasy, you're you're probably feeling really good about yourself right now uh, to have that. I mean, Brandon Cooks got to show off his thing, getting a fifty yard cat, fifty four yard catch. Uh, but then, you know, you get to the third quarter, and the Patriots just got locked down by the the Chiefs defense. Justin Houston starts coming into play. He starts getting into Brady's face. And I think that second turnover on downs was absolutely huge for that Chiefs it, defense. It really was because you could tell that New England was starting to get their momentum back at that point. And all of a sudden that was gone. And I really have to give credit. While the uh, Patriots were starting to potentially run away early, you could see that there were some issues, especially in the passing game. Brady, passes were high. Passes were long. Receivers had to turn around and in some cases do spin moves to try to catch him. So they gave themselves that early air of vulnerability. Kansas City took advantage. They did. Yeah, Eric Berry did a great job on Gronk for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully he's okay because he suffered an Achilles injury. Yeah, he suffered a really... That looked uh, serious. Like, probably we're going to be hearing about possible torn Achilles or something dangerous there where he might miss significant time, if not the season. Another thing is, too, is you didn't hear, other than some reverses, no Chris Hogan really a factor. They kind of locked him out. And then Danny Amendola went out of the game with a concussion right after that turnover on downs, which severely limited their offense after that because you're now throwing to Brandon Cooks and uh, Chris Hogan was getting, you know, know, kind of locked down. And then Gronk. Like I said, Eric Berry was, at this point, he was still there, but he would get uh, knocked out later in the game. Mm -hmm. But it's just, yeah, they they just did a really good job on on these receivers. And, yeah, Tom Brady, I think if, if let's say, 39 or 38, I can't remember, for the Chiefs doesn't make that big play on the Cooks deep pass, you know, we might be talking about a different game here, but... That's the thing is Brady was really kind of forced to throw it more long because they couldn't get the short intermediate stuff because of who was out of the game. And and I think Brady also felt like they needed to give 
they needed to score because the the Patriots defense was starting to just crack through and allow things like the Kareem Hunt 60-yard touchdown pass. Then you had the the other uh, Hunt run that that gave him the the lead again. Just yeah, it's it seemed like the Patriots defense wasn't the same, and then it didn't help that that Brady couldn't score on his end either. But do you see this as a as a trend for the Patriots at all? That perhaps this whole hype about sixteen and zero and everything else was overblown, or is this just one game? The Chiefs grinded it out, and they were able to take advantage of a Patriots defense that's missing key pieces. You know, they they added key pieces, but they are missing some, I guess, more chemistry issue pieces uh, on the defense. It's definitely an issue with chemistry, and for the Patriots, like I said, I've seen this movie before. I know how it goes down. At the end, it is only one game. Just the one they're going to make a lot of tweaks and adjustments, and I think they'll be fine. But from every team for the rest of the season, I would look at a lot of this game film very, very carefully. Manage your defensive personnel before the Patriots can really get entrenched in these changes. You can catch them maybe week two, make it a good game. You may pull off an upset. But I think by week three, if you try this, it won't work. I agree that they're always they're going to make adjustments for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick does, and I and I think for the Chiefs, they they did a smart thing. In it looked like this was going to be a game where Tyreek Hill wasn't going to be much of a factor, and and Kelsey was also going to get. He was going. They were going to get the Patriots treatment. We're going to take your best players away. And by using Cream Hunt in the passing game, they kind of made it to where you couldn't really do that. You had to start focusing on him. This allowed Tyreek Hill to be a bigger factor. And then I think the other receivers also stepped up. So you got to give credit to them too. Mm-hmm. So big debut for Kareem Hunt, and then Alex Smith, like we mentioned, you know his seven three hundred yard game. I think certainly if you're the Chiefs, you're feeling really good about this win. This is a win I think people were sitting there already penciling in. Oh, you're going to the to Gillette. You're going to lose. It's no doubt about it. And you're going to start 0-1 on the season. Well, the Chiefs go out there, get the – I don't know if you call it an upset. The Chiefs are a really good team. But you get a win, and now you have – the Eagles, after a, you know, a week and a half rest, you got the Chargers, you got the Redskins, you got the Texans. Probably not until you get to the Steelers in the middle of October. You got winnable games here. Mm-hmm. You can go on a run if you're the Chiefs. Are, are you... you feeling better about this team? Does this win do anything for you as far as saying maybe people are... 
maybe people are are really giving the Raiders too much, and and not thinking about how good the Chiefs could be. Well, I don't think so. When I go back to my predictions, I saw the Chiefs as a wild card team in a tough division. Now, granted, if they get on this run, they could really force the issue. They could easily win 10 and 11, but we'll see what the Raiders do. They could just as easily, especially if they shore up their... Uh-oh. Looks like we might have lost Eric here, but overall, I think it's a very impressive performance from the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think you can you can just say that I don't think anybody expected Kareem Hunt to be to do what he did on on this night that quickly, especially after again starting with that fumble. But credit to him, he sucked it up and he came out there and just performed after that. And and perhaps this whole thing with Mahomes gave Alex Smith that feeling of pressure of saying, "Oh, I need to step it up now." And Andy Reid followed suit by allowing him to open that playbook. And th- there it is. The the Chiefs uh, got their win. So Yeah. As I was saying, yes, the Chiefs could go on and win 11 games. I potentially see that happening. But see what the Raiders do. They even get a whiff of fixing their defensive issues. They could win 12 the division title still theirs. And I've also said before, I don't think the Raiders are going to run away with this division. Yes, the Chargers are a ways back. Yes, the Broncos are a ways back. But it's going to be a two-horse race this entire season. And Kansas City proved that tonight for me. All right, fair enough. I, I think we can move on from this here. Uh the, Again, Kansas City Chiefs win 42-27. The Patriots looked really bad in the last two or three drives. Uh, Justin Houston got two sacks on a row on Brady at the end, which was insane. But yeah, by then, Brady was just trying to survive who he was throwing it to and everything, but... I'm kind of like you. I'm feeling like the Patriots just kind of took this loss. Lots of injuries. Lots of injuries on both sides. You're going to hope for the best for Eric Berry, but it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amendola getting concussion is not good. Dante Hightowers didn't look good either. And he's a guy that's always injured. So for the Patriots, it's like, oh, man, how many more times with this guy? But uh, let's move on. Let's Let's talk about... Uh, Now, I want to point this out that on Tuesday, we recorded Tuesday night, the idea for the Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Bucks game at that point was that they were going to relocate it. Then the word came down pretty much after we did the podcast or the next morning that they officially went back to the original idea of saying, no, these guys are just going to play that game week 11, and there is no week one game for the Dolphins and Bucks. So they will officially start playing in week two. Do you like this decision? 
less. I mean, obviously the NFL's angle was let them be with their families kind of thing. But a lot of the players were saying they wanted to play the game. And they would have much rather had it relocated. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at it ideally from a schedule standpoint, relocating it would have been better. But if were able to get back, you're cutting out a lot here. So, uh, hang on. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you that I think relocating would have been better for the schedule. So you still have your bye week. You're still better. Well, now I could hear you, yeah. Okay, but there was never really a good option. It's just the league took the least bad one because Miami, it would have meant losing two home games because they're already going to be playing in London. Having to worry about getting home from Pennsylvania to assess damage and be with their families. So this was never going to be a pretty idea. Yeah, it wasn't. And perhaps they did the best one with what they had. And you just have to now play the game and understand that you kind of really didn't get a bye week because I'm sure the stress of all the things with the hurricane isn't great for uh, Miami. You know, now Tampa, they may not have to deal with it too much. But still, uh, this is... Again, we're having to deal with it right here. We're talking to you. We live in the in Florida, so you know it. I can't imagine what that's like for those players. But hey, you know they also have the money to kind of get out of town or do what they need to do or reinforce their homes, no problem. So hopefully for all those players that nothing happens and they're they're safe as well. Now, let's go ahead and get into previewing, giving predictions for these games coming up here on Sunday, and then, of course, the doubleheader on Monday as well. Uh, We do know about the Michael Bennett situation with the Seahawks. We might talk about that a little bit at the end. Uh, Roger Goodell had some comments on that as well, as well as the Las Vegas police. They they wanted uh, Roger Goodell to get get on some of this. But let's start here. Eric, as uh, if whenever we do talk about this, uh, one of the games you have is uh, Atlanta taking on Chicago in Chicago for this one. I feel like, yes, it's Chicago. My uh, Mitch Trubisky got bumped up to the backup to Mike Glennon. It's no longer Mark Sanchez. Sanchez is back down to number three. I figured. And but but you've got an Atlanta that I think really is going to be motivated to want to show that we are over this loss in the Super Bowl. We're ready to go. We're ready to get back there. I think Julio Jones was talking about you don't want to mess with a brotherhood that's been through a terrible loss. Uh, considering what's been going on with natural disasters, perhaps that's not the best 
choice of words, but it is what it is. Same man who is talking about a 2,000-yard season. Forget it. If there's a person that's that could do it, Julio Jones, right? I mean, mm, Megatron came close, and he was Megatron. Think about that. True, but I mean, Julio Jones is one of the best receivers in the entire league. I mean, he's at least top three. Yeah, and even then, he's only come within maybe a whiff. So no. Every year is different, though. Every year's okay, different. and I see Megatron. I've seen Randy Moss. The 2,000-yard receiver is not a new idea, but it hasn't happened for a reason. Oh, I agree with you that it's probably not going to happen. I'm just saying, what if it did? Now for the... What do you what do you see happening? I, I feel like, obviously, you're not in the... You're not in the dome at Mercedes for Atlanta. You're in Soldier Field for Chicago. You're, you're. I mean, Mike Glennon is not uh, a great quarterback. He's a serviceable quarterback. He's an average quarterback. Atlanta's defense got better as the year went on. And I think they need to show as well that that defense is here and is going to create problems. So that's here. Do do you see this as maybe a blowout for Atlanta with with all the motivation that's there for them? Or do you think this is going to be close? Motivation aside, Atlanta's dealt with Mike Glennon before from his time in Tampa Bay. They're going to take it. It's not going to be pretty. I don't see a lot out of Chicago, what they can focus on, especially who Glennon can throw to. Atlanta will have very little trouble with this one. But don't get comfortable because it's not going to solve a lot of Atlanta's psychological problems. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta wins by at least 10 points against Chicago's defense. We've seen it get better. Could they create some problems for Matt Ryan and company? Sure. But by the time you're able to do that, how many points will Atlanta have scored on you where that may not matter so much? And I, and I think that's going to be the issue. I don't know that Chicago has the firepower to even dream about keeping up with them. They're going to have to somehow get Atlanta into a grinded out game and even then if you want to put the ball on the ground you got Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman that's that's not two guys you want just running it on you either so we both have Atlanta here now we have this interesting AFC East match between the presumptive two bottom feeders the New York Jets visiting Buffalo uh, to take on the Bills. Tyrod Taylor out of concussion protocol. He is going to start. Josh McCown, the starter for the Jets. Uh, do, do you see this as uh, perhaps one of these, like, you know, 13 to 9 games or something like that? Yeah. It's like a war of attrition. <laughs> It, 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 it would be total poetic justice if it ends up in a tie. 
Oh god, please don't say that. I gotta watch this game. Hey, be prepared and be inebriated because it ain't gonna be fun to watch sober. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I feel bad for our friend Randy. He has to watch this game. May not be that entertaining, but you know the Jets defensive front it's still formidable even without Sheldon Richardson could they could they shut down maybe not shut him down but could they control LaShawn McCoy it seems like Buffalo basically got rid of everybody behind him mm-hmm. so it's McCoy or bust at this point and Tyron Taylor obviously missing some receivers yes like just about all of them and with the whole idea of the coach coming out and saying that they'll play LaShawn McCoy every snap if they have to, yeah, we'll be careful what you wish for. Do you feel like Jermaine Curse is going to be a factor here as a veteran guy that Josh McCown could probably lean on with a lot of these younger guys that he's having to throw to? Oh, yeah. He'll be a very big factor, and it'll help with a lot of intermediate routes. But you're still dealing with Josh McCown here. Yeah, that's going to be a situation. I'm trying to give the Jets a benefit of the doubt here of saying that this might be close. I just feel like with these two teams... You don't know what you're going to get out of Tyrod coming out of the concussion protocol with the what the less weapons that he has now. I, we haven't really seen Josh McCown all preseason at all to know what he's going to be like. And we saw Hackenberg, and he was awful for the most part. And we saw Bryce Petty have that one incredible comeback game, but he's still kind of coming off that injury. I, for me, I got to say Buffalo, but my first thought of a, you know, 15-10, 13-9 game wouldn't be out of the question here. I can't officially pick a tie, can I? No. Where is this game? It's in Buffalo. Buffalo. Just for the sake of it. 12-8. If I had to pick a score. Oh, God, please, no. Don't give me the baseball score. Uh, Baltimore travels to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Divisional matchup in week one. Two divisional matchups as the uh, AFC North playing each other here. Baltimore and Cincy, always an interesting game. Joe Flacco coming back from that injury. He says he's good to go. Obviously, this brightens the spirits of Baltimore, but they say they're going to focus on the run more. Cincinnati, you think Joe Mixon's going to be playing the most, but you really don't know if Jeremy Hill, Jermani Bernard, how that's going to work out. Cincinnati still has a pretty good defense. Baltimore's is also improving. Where do you see this going? Mm, I like Baltimore in this one early in the season, but while this is going to be a better game than Bills Jets, it's still going to be one of those tough nail biters. Nail biters? 
would be totally appropriate for Baltimore and Cincinnati. I feel like AJ Green really wants to kind of get himself back on the map after having a so-so season last year. But will Baltimore kind of counter that by double-teaming him and kind of taking him out of it? Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins this one, possibly on a Joe Flacco interception or something like that, coming back from the injury not being totally 100%. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals there. Pittsburgh and Cleveland, first official regular season game for Deshaun Kaiser against what's been sort of the class of this division for a while now. Ben Roethlisberger, of course, lots of rumors about retirement after this season. Le'Veon Bell hasn't played all preseason. Here he comes. We've heard about the defense. Martavis mm-hmm. Bryant coming back. Mm-hmm. Is this... Uh, it's in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. First game of the season. Is this a blowout for the Steelers, or do you think that Cleveland shows some fight and maybe it's a little bit closer? Because that's kind of what it seems like we get with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. It's either it's a big blowout or it's a close game or Cleveland comes back and makes something out of it. What do you see? Mm-hmm. Well, Kaiser had a lot of good moments in preseason, was able to make a lot of good throws. I think, if anything, this Pittsburgh defense will be very opportunistic and will capitalize on his mistakes. And I think they're going to make it close to a blowout, especially early. But if their offense really clicks like it can, then it's going to be very ugly. Yeah, I I feel like at home with the anticipation and everything, you'd think that the crowd cheering them on, it's, oh, and here's the word has come down. Torn Achilles tendon for Eric Berry, officially. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's pretty much season ender right there. Mm, 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 mm. Not good. Not good for him. And it sucks. You know, Eric Berry coming back from the the cancer and everything had a heck of a year last year. Again, he was he was doing a phenomenal job on Gronk for the most part in this in that game and then injured. Ugh. Just kinda heartbreaking, honestly. Especially for someone like Eric Berry, who's already had a whole bunch of health issues and things throughout his career. Yeah, exactly. It's just another thing that kind of set him back. Hopefully he comes back from this strong. I feel like Pittsburgh's winning here. You also have a lot of, between Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon Bell coming back, adding so many weapons for Ben Roethlisberger, if anything is going to keep him on the up and up of perhaps doing anything past this year, it's knowing how great the offense is going to be and I feel like that defense is going to continue to take a step up. T.J. Watt, he's going to be looking to to get some sacks. You know, that linebacking core is is very sturdy. I think the secondary is getting better. We'll see. Then that's and that's been a liability for Pittsburgh. And of course, 
first game, Joe Hayden going against his old team. Revenge game. Uh, we'll, we'll see if how much he plays and if and if he does get to factor in on on anything. But yeah, I'll say Pittsburgh wins easily. Pittsburgh wins. So Arizona traveling to Ford Field to take on Detroit. Mm. Can their defense show up and slow down Matt Stafford? I'm not 100% sure about that. I feel like Arizona's, you know, Arizona's defense with uh, Honey Badger being back and you got another year of Chandler Jones. The the people are, the talk is that Arizona, again, is supposed to be one of these these teams. And I, I would go back to their defense and saying I trust their defense more than the Lions defense. I, I really would as well. But with the Lions defense, it's someone who's much easier to contain in Carson Palmer because, let's face it, yes, he can still have a great year. Yes, I'm calling for him to have a great year. But if you get him early, you can rattle him much more easily. And then what? Not to mention outside of David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, Okay, and to an extent, John Brown. But you see, Arizona, very limited as far as what weapons they can offer. Yeah, uh, but... That's... I just, like, again, I feel like... Arizona's defense, with who they have in the secondary, can sort of limit Golden Tate, Marvin Jones... I think it depends on what what's really going to happen here for the Lions. Is we saw last year, kind of in the second half of last year, they sort of went for more ball control, right? Mm-hmm. They started running the ball more. Abdullah's injury-free. He's coming in. Uh, you still got Theo Riddick, who can kind of be your, your scat back if you need him to. If Abdullah can run well, and we've seen even, like, Golden Tate go back there and, and do some runs and stuff. If they can get that running game going, I think that creates a bigger issue for Arizona. Whereas in the past, perhaps the Lions are used to being down, so Stafford has to do the come from behind, which he's done very well. He's He mm-hmm. has, like, a big record for that. I don't know. I, I feel like Arizona understands, especially Carson Palmer, Fitzgerald, they understand that this is is no joke. This is that year. They have to prove themselves. Or you might see both of them on on the retirement road. And there's a lot at stake, I feel, for them as far as making sure you come in here, come into Detroit, which is not not always easy to go into an away game on the first week and win. But I'm going to say Arizona does it. They get the win. Yeah, I got to pick Arizona here too. But this could potentially just be another one of those close ones. Yeah, it could wind up being a close game 
with not a lot of points, it could wind up being a close game with a ton of points. Mm-hmm. So, lots going on here for these guys. I forgot to mention that another thing to add to Cleveland's woes is high ankle sprain now for Miles Garrett, first-round pick, you know, number one pick. So he's going to be out. And also Calvin Pryor got into it with a teammate, and he's probably going to be released now after getting him from the Jets in the offseason. So then you have Jabril Peppers and Derek uh, Kindred starting there in your defensive backfield. Not good, right? Mm-mm. Not at all. I feel like Miles Garrett is a huge loss for them. He's the one guy that's going to really put pressure on it for Roethlisberger, so that just really kind of makes me feel good about taking the the Steelers right now. He was already quickly becoming the anchor of the defensive line, and this, with especially with the kind of offensive line that the Steelers have built, Big Ben's going to have some nice clean pockets to work out of. So, any feelings on a on Vontez Burfitt getting a three-year contract extension with the Bengals? Bengals are going to bangle. $38.68 million is what pays out from the extension a 3.3 million signing bonus and he also gets 7 million uh this season. Obviously Vontaze perfect. He has a history of problems with the league as far as hits and everything else. He gets a three-game suspension where he won't play for the first three games. He can't come back until he plays the Browns in week 4, but he's still a significant player for them, right? Uh, when Perfect is on the field, the Bengals are ten and ten, and when they're not, when they don't have Perfect on the field, they're three and eight. So, do you think this motivates him to play even better this season, or? I mean, I would hope so because it's not even so much a style of play. It's his temper and maturity. You know, one wrong move, one false step here. The next thing you know, you get called for a flag and you wound up costing your team. Mm. I get it because it's Cincinnati and maybe he'll do better, but getting more of the same would not surprise me. Well, let's move on to... Oakland traveling into Tennessee to take on the Titans. The Raiders did get some good news here as Sebastian Janikowski took a pay cut from $4 million to $3 million to stay with the Raiders as their kicker. They had already had Mike Nugent, Josh Lambeau, and Marshall Cohen there to possibly be his replacement, but they figured it out right before this game. And, you know, he's still pretty consistent for his for his age. He misses mm-hmm. some here and there, as most kickers do. But perhaps kicking might be a big factor here for, for this game, as 
we know both offenses can score. Tennessee has a bit of a better defense, though, than Oakland. Is that something you're saying Tennessee at home maybe can help them get the win, or are you giving it to Oakland because they're supposed to be one of the favorites to do a lot this year? Favorite aside, bias aside, I am giving it to Oakland because I can think that, well, I think that they can do a little bit better with the defensive weapons that they have. But I'll still keep an eye out on Tennessee. They're going to take an L, but eh, it's just one of those teams that's going to be very pesty as the season progresses. Yeah, Tennessee Titans, their offensive line, uh, especially with Jack Conklin having a heck of a season last year, was really helping out. I think they... We're getting some injuries, so it was starting to affect Mariota, and then, of course, he got hurt and everything else. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Tennessee Titans offensive line doesn't get a lot of credit for being actually good. Now, obviously, the Oakland Raiders one of the best ones in the entire league, if not number two or tied for number one with the Cowboys there. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at that defense, though, and you're saying, okay, Titans have guys that can rush the passer. So does Oakland. I feel like that's where it's sort of going to be one, because then you've also got the DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry duo going on, which we haven't seen much of Murray, honestly. And then you've got Oakland with Marshawn Lynch. This is his first game to show people that he's still got it. And Tennessee might bottle them up. And then it's up to Derek Carr to kind of start finding those receivers. Mariota will be doing the same thing. This could be a tight one, a close one. Shootout maybe. But I feel like with picking Arizona and Detroit in the previous game, Mm -hmm. I can't pick two road teams in a row here. I feel like the Titans might squeak a win from the Raiders. You can't. But I certainly can. And Oakland, this will be their first taste of a bit of a brutal travel schedule, but they'll start 1-0. Okay. I Yeah, this, like I said, this is one of those games that's tough to pick. But I, I'm going to stick with my gut here and, and say Tennessee. Of course, Tampa Bay and Miami was suspended, so we don't have to talk about that game. Moved to week 11. A two NFC East matchups happening here as the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Washington Redskins. It's in Landover, FedEx Field. It's a divisional matchup, so that doesn't matter so much. Lane Johnson was a huge loss last year for the Eagles when he had a service suspension. They have a much different record with him on the field than when he's off. He's on here for Carson Wentz. He's going to make him better as far as giving him more protection on the line. Still don't know who's going to run the ball for the Eagles, but I feel like that defense might be the thing that wins the Eagles a game here against Washington. We've seen Michael Kendricks be fantastic this in the preseason. We've seen, uh, of course, that front four get after it. I don't expect anything different here. 
I think the the Eagles win in a close one. Yeah, so do I. I mean, Washington, for the good that they got in getting in Terrell Pryor, Kirk Cousins, another year where he's betting on himself. There's a part of me that doesn't wish for failure, but then there's a part of me that's almost anticipating it, or at least a big drop-off. But since it's week one, Eagles do win close. What are your feelings on Jacksonville going into Houston? First game after the tragedies of Hurricane Harvey. The crowd is going to be intense. J.J. Watt's going to be super motivated as well as the rest of the team. Does Jacksonville have any shot here? No, we're going to get it handed to us. Even without the extenuating circumstances, we were still going to get it handed to us. That bad, huh? That I've seen this team. I've gone through this team for years. That bad. Yeah, if Blake Portals doesn't get it together, certainly the Houston Texans are going to be coming after him. J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney on the sack end. And then they've got a good defensive core to stop pretty much the two Allens and and everyone else, I feel like this is, I just don't see with all the emotional, other emotional things going on, Houston's got to get the win here against the visiting Jacksonville team. In a game that might be rather ugly, Indianapolis Colts taking Los Angeles Rams. It's at home in L.A. Colts are starting Scott Tolzien. I feel like with the Rams committing to Todd Gurley and and running, Jared, Jared Goff doesn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, they are trying. They did get Sammy Watkins, and they are trying to avoid running a high school offense like they really did last year. Yeah, he's got some weapons now too. Uh, just yeah, I worry about Scott Tolzien being able to complete passes, period. Again, this is another one of those situations where if I could root for a tie, I would. Tolzien has quarterbacked a tie game before, so it has happened. Ugh. Yeah, it's all possible that this is another one of those that winds up like 12-9 or something like that, or if you're, scoring. If you're lucky... This may be 10-6. It may be 20-6. But I think it, it, just by the not quite slimmest of margins, I do think the Rams take it, though. They're actually, they don't have to wait on a quarterback, and they're improving their offense. For the Colts, it's a countdown until Halloween where you can maybe consider Andrew Luck coming back. Yeah, it seems like the more they talk about it, he's going to be gone for at least a month. Which is not good for the Colts, but what are you going to do? you got to protect him. Mm-hmm. Let's go with San Francisco hosting their first game of the regular season against Carolina. Carolina has a lot to prove after kind of hitting that bottom barrel after getting to the Super Bowl. San Francisco now with the Kyle Shanahan is the coach, Brian Hoyer is your 
quarterback. Oh boy, what an example there. And yeah, San Francisco has a decent defense still, but Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton, I feel like if the Panthers don't come in and steamroll the team, 49ers fans should kind of consider themselves lucky at that point. Very. I, I will say San Francisco does have some good skill positions. You know, Pierre Garçon has looked good. We've had, uh, between Breda and Carlos Hyde, they've looked good. It's just bringing that together. Not to mention, and I can't believe I have to utter this, are you going to see the same Brian Hoyer that you saw in Cleveland? God, that feels so weird to say. <laughs> it, yeah, that's, that is weird. Yeah, it, 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 and while there are flashes... And he's shown flashes. I don't think he will. Yeah, I, I don't think he will. But I think Cam Newton, with the way that they're trying to run the ball more, he's going to be more efficient. Maybe he passes more. It might help you out in fantasy or whatever. But he's probably not going to be running around so much. So that dual threat thing, I think it's going to be more of a only an emergencies even though, or even then, I should say, Carolina should win this one. So going into our game of the week for the Sunday games, Seattle travels to Green Bay in a huge matchup on Fox. Russell Wilson loses curse, but he's got a better Jimmy Graham. He's still got Doug Baldwin there. The running back situation is kind of a mess, though. You don't mm-hmm. know who's going to be playing. And then Green Bay is, is Green Bay, right? They are, they, they're locked and loaded, ready to go. Ty Montgomery's fully made that transition to running back now. Any concerns here? Do you think this is a tight game? Obviously, Seattle feeling like they have more of the Legion of Boom back than before with the addition of Sheldon Richardson. And and let's face it, Seattle, something about Russell Wilson to where he has the Packers number. It's it's going to be a tight one, although I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be rattled too much. But I'm going to pick Seattle. Wow. I feel like Lambeau Field, Green Bay... No, they that they don't have the same mystique even for a season opener. They re- they really don't. No, you're right. It could just be like the Patriots game where somebody comes in and and Seattle makes them look bad towards the end. Uh, maybe some forcing Aaron Rodgers is making mistakes, and then Russell Wilson does it on offense, but. This could go down various ways. I just feel like Packers wind up getting the win here. Uh, Tom Montgomery is going to be hard to stop. You know, Rodgers has got the full complement of receivers here. And 
Yeah, I mean, not that Russell Wilson doesn't have weapons, because he does, like I already mentioned, but I feel like between Clay Matthews and that linebacking core, they can kind of spy on Wilson, keep him where they want to keep him, and then Packers win. Let's go on to the first Monday night matchup. The New Orleans Saints take on the Minnesota Vikings. This is in Minnesota. New Orleans doesn't play so well when they get out of the Superdome. Uh, yeah. Vikings still have Sam Bradford at quarterback. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray combo at running back. You got the Stephon Diggs, Treadwell, those guys at receiver. They still have that vaunted, really tough defense. And New Orleans has lost some weapons. Do you think that this perhaps makes it? I mean, now they're obviously focused on running the ball with Adrian Peterson revenge game, maybe. What do you think? Oh, granted, while the Saints, when you get take them out of the Superdome, as you said, they're not that good. They're still in a dome. And, I mean, come on. I don't want to see Sam Bradford break his own record and complete 73% of his passes while averaging a mere five or six yards an attempt. That, oh, and they really didn't do themselves any favors in that department. I see New Orleans taking this one. The people leaders aren't back yet. Fair enough, but Bradford was serviceable enough last season. Yeah, again, he set an NFL record completing nearly 72% of his passes, but look at how he did it. I don't want to go through another year of that. No, you don't. But I feel like they got improved in the running game from last year. You're adding Murray, and you're adding... A Dalvin Cook, a young Dalvin Cook, he can also catch passes. Okay, okay. So you, but then that that means that Sam Bradford will have yet another crutch when it comes to check downs. Right, but will the Saints have enough to stop them? That's the thing. You still have, you know, Stephon Diggs is no slouch. Uh, Treadwell's coming on in his second year. You still got Kyle Rudolph there. Look, the Saints have weapons too, but I'm saying you're at home. To stop Minnesota, this is one of those opponents to where. With a quick attack, you can easier outscore them, and I think they can. Oh, I agree with you that they can. I'm saying that if the Vikings can stuff the run, which is possible, you have all the reason in the world to want to stop Adrian Peterson from doing anything against the old team here and force the Saints to do what they normally do, which is become one-dimensional, I think... You have a chance here if you're the Vikings to pull out the win, and I'm going to say the Vikes do that here. The Chargers go and visit the Denver Broncos in the nightcap of Monday Night Football. <laughs> Ooh. It's rough, but I'm going to say this. You know, I don't, I don't feel like this Broncos defense is the same as it's been. No, it's and not. And you're talking about Trevor Simeon being your quarterback. Now, they, again, he's serviceable. No, if you're serviceable, you don't go out and re-sign Brock Osweiler. 
they got him on a cheap, and he has history with the team. I don't exactly. And yeah, they got him on the cheap because Cleveland was dumb enough to pay for almost the entire season salary. This. Oh, well, hey, look, the Browns are the ones having to pay him most of that salaries. Yeah, so the, the Browns. Oh dear God, this. There is just way too much stupidity. Uh, Philip Rivers motivated. He swallowed his pride and went with the team to L.A. Chargers take this one. I, the Broncos defense isn't the same one as we've mentioned these last couple of years. There's a drop off offensively. Serviceable is okay, but it doesn't get you that far. No, I agree with you. It's going to have to be the defense that allows the Broncos to have better opportunities. CJ Anderson is coming off that injury. He's going to have to prove it here. Uh, look, Demarius Thomas is still very, very consistent. You still got Emmanuel Sanders there. It's just, I feel like the Chargers, again, I think a lot of people are discounting that the main parts of that defense have not played together on the field all at once. They're going to be able to do that in this game. You put that together with, you know, them having a pass rush now with with Bosa and Ingram. And if Gordon can get going and Keenan Allen's going to be healthy, I feel like the Chargers can come into Denver and get this win. I'm going to say the Chargers mm-hmm. get the win. Yeah. I Oh, poor, poor Broncos. How's Elway going to fix this? Well, uh, not adding another quarterback, I hope. So, hmm. here we go. Dallas Cowboys at home, Sunday Night Football. It's almost like, you know, Al Michaels mentioned in the third, it's almost like a tradition at this point. Mm-hmm. New York Giants, don't know about Odell Beckham yet, seems unlikely that he plays. They have a lot of weapons now. Alvin, you know, you got Ingram, who's basically another receiver that also plays tight end. You got Sterling Shepard. You got Brandon Marshall. Uh, even Greg Lewis was looking good there. The Dallas Cowboys defense is a weakness right now. You you don't have the pass rush you could have had is gone, and a guy like David Irving, who he was your pass rush for a lot of that beforehand demarcus lawrence is back but he's still having to work his way back in you got a very young secondary you got sean lee but you're missing anthony hitchens that's a big deal defensively and we saw what the giants did twice last year they really made it hard for Ezekiel elliott to run and they put a lot of it on deck and when it, a lot of it had to be put on deck now I'll take out the first game because that was the first game that either one of those guys played at all I feel like the Cowboys will manage better because they now have so much tape on the Giants. It's a divisional opponent. Even with the problems defensively, I think this is close, but I feel like the Giants are going to win this. Just got not not about the firepower, about mm-hmm. they have that defense that could cause Dak to make mistakes. Landon Collins actually was the bane of Dak's existence in college. So, you know, that that could come into play here professionally. 
But what if I were to tell you that I think the Cowboys can do just enough to reverse the hoodoo and win? Look, I, I will be the happiest person on earth if, if that's the truth of what happens here. But I just feel like the Giants are... Look, they're my Super Bowl pick, right? To go to the Super Bowl. So I got to feel like you're coming in making a statement and looking good against the Cowboys here. My predictions, they got cut off on our last uh, podcast when we did the preview, but I had the Giants making a wild card, doing what they did in 07 up to the point to where they would lose in Green Bay in the playoffs. But, hmm? Fair enough, yeah. But, who did I have winning the division, eking it out? The Cowboys. And I think that this is going to be the first game Cowboys will win. Yes, they're going to have a season split. But I think because of all of this, you talked about motivation with a couple of the earlier games. Cowboys are going to have motivation too because at least for now they do have Zeke. And they can plan a little bit better. The Giants, I think, are going to be a little bit befuddled because of that because I don't know how well they planned having him play week one plus oh, but they have a lot of tape on Zeke and true. remember this offensive line is weaker and I and I do get that I'm taking that into account but also with all the Giants weapons 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 but I don't know how quickly that chemistry is built yet now if this true. were later especially with Brandon Marshall who we didn't really see much yeah, and if this were later this season, I would definitely take the Giants outright. But I think that they're meeting up at the right time with all this going on. It's going to be another one of those like twenty to nineteen style games, but the Cowboys are going to take it. All right, of course I will be happy if that happens. I just feel like the Giants in the end with that defense, the ability to create turnovers. You got Eli Manning passing to all those guys feel like it'll be close but the Giants end up winning and I guess we'll end this with the talk on Michael Bennett here Mm. so Michael Bennett was he said here's what uh, he had to say this is following the Mayweather Conor McGregor fight uh, on the way back to his hotel early that morning, uh, he said police singled him out among a group of people who were fleeing away from what sounded like gunshots. Bennett said a police officer ordered him to the ground, pointed a gun at his head, and told him not to move or he would blow his head off. Mm-hmm. Bennett said a second officer forcefully jammed his knee into his back make it difficult uh-huh. for him to breathe before handcuffing him and eventually putting him in the back of the police car. I felt helpless as I lay there on the ground, handcuffed, facing the real-life threat of being killed. All I could think of was, well, I'm going to die for no other reason than I'm black and my skin color is somehow a threat. My life flashed before my eyes as I thought of my girls. Would I ever play with them again or watch them have kids or be able to kiss my wife again until I love her? I kept asking the officer, what did I do? And reminding them I had rights they were duty-bound to respect. The officers ignored my pleas and instead told me to shut up and then took me to the back of a nearby police car where I sat for what felt like an eternity until they apparently realized I was not a thug. 
common criminal, or ordinary black man, but Michael Bennett, a famous professional football player. Bennett was not arrested or charged in the matter. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't think it, it doesn't end there either. Uh, later, he, they went to a nightclub, uh, Bennett was in an officer's view, he quickly ran out of the south towards, jumped over a wall on the Flamingo Road, east of Las Vegas Boulevard, due to Bennett's actions and the information the officers had at the time, they believed Bennett may have been involved in the shooting, and they gave chase. So that's how that sort of happened. Now, the Las Vegas Police Department actually sent Roger Goodell a letter saying that they wanted him to investigate Bennett for possible, basically just saying things that they felt were unfair or unjust or making a, a big deal out of something. You know, basically the police are trying to protect themselves, trying to say that, look, this didn't happen and the way that he's saying it and he's making us look bad. And he mm -hmm. wanted Goodell to probe into that and Goodell said no. He's denying it. Now, yeah. I don't know if the Zeke stuff has anything to do with him him not wanting to be on the wrong side of something else. But he and, did defend Michael Bennett, though. As yeah, well. he defended Michael Bennett. And between the Zeke situation and all these things going on politically right now, you're right. I think Goodell is just absconding, and I think this would be the right move. Now... I would like to see further evidence of things like any body cameras or um, any equipment of that nature because I didn't hear or see any mention of those in any of these stories. So that whole thing is going to be telling in of itself. But I don't know. I have a feeling that any further digging is going to just make things very complicated. Yeah, it's not going to be good for the police if if this happened the way that Bennett is saying, especially if they have camera footage at all. This is going to look awful on on those policemen because mm -hmm. not only are you beating up you're you're beating up a freaking Seattle Seahawks football player who you wrongly accused of doing anything. And what what does that look like? So, yeah, I I don't think the league's going to do anything here because he didn't do anything wrong. He, yeah, what what really is there to investigate? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's going to do it as far as the NFL. Let's make these college picks here again. We're only going by just because we need to kind of speed the process along here. We're only going by what's on the ESPN College Pick'em, so these 10 games that are on this, which are mostly the, the big games of the weekend. But, yeah, we'll, we'll go down the list here. The Iowa, taking on Iowa State. Iowa's Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes. Penn State taking on Pittsburgh. Last year, this was a crazy game. This year, not so much. Not even close. Sorry, Rachel. Penn State. 
Yeah, Penn State should win that one. No big deal. BYU has not looked good. I have to go with Utah on that one. So do I. Hashtag holy war. <laughs> holy war in the moments. Yeah, that, that's what they call that. I mean, obviously, with our geopolitical climate, they don't use that nickname publicly anymore. But Utah, BYU, that's the nickname. <sighs> Yeah, uh, then we have uh, Nebraska. Five wives would be a bonus in some aspects, so I can't completely knock them. Not really, I don't want to deal with all that. You're going to deal with too much drama, man. Too much drama. Pick the right ones and it'll turn into an episode of Big Love. I've seen how it works. That's why it's called a TV show. Uh, so you have uh, Oregon taking on Nebraska. I feel like Oregon's on the up and up after the coaching change. I'm going to go with Oregon here at home. I think I went with Nebraska in making this pick. If I did it, I'm going to go with them now, Nebraska. I don't fully trust Oregon, and especially the Pac-12 North. I think Nebraska is also trying to prove something to regain conference legitimacy because they've been kind of waiting in the mediocrity of the Big Ten. I think this could be a feather in their cap. The North Carolina, after being in in a close game last week, taking on Louisville, who was also in a close game last week. Probably too close of a game for many's you know, to, to be all fair, I'd say Louisville, though, comes in and beats North Carolina. Yeah, Louisville, although, dear God, you better clean it up because you don't let Purdue almost beat you. You don't. This is, this is in conference, though. But, so. well, no, I'm just still saying that for Louisville. Clean it up. Clean it up. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was probably the only standout thing about last last week. It's got to be more than just him. I feel like he's enough, though, to get through North Carolina, who's kind of on a downtrend after a few years of being really good. First time ever, Notre Dame at home taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. How about them dogs? How about them? I'm, uh, I'm not overly hyped about Notre Dame. I, I'm not either. I, I think that O'Leary's done fine with them. I feel like this will be a close game. Please, if you're Georgia, play from because I, and I actually I think Jacob Eason's injured to the point where he can't play in this game. Wait, but O'Leary, or I don't know who I'm talking about at this point. But Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Yes, sorry. Damn it. I'm thinking about the old, the previous guy. Uh, Brian Kelly's been fine, but he hasn't been like. Last, I feel like Notre Dame has underperformed since last the, year. They were four and eight. Yeah, they have underperformed since going to the that that, that title game. So. It's Brian Kelly better get it together, 
got a good first win. I just feel like Georgia's actually one of the teams to watch out for in that SEC East, um, more than Tennessee and maybe even more than Florida, especially because they got their, their crap together at quarterback. They got a mm-hmm. running game that's dynamite. Um, so, you know, a defense that's pretty stout. I think, again, Fromm's going to play in this game, so i got to give the edge to Georgia. Big game here for Clemson to kind of stake where they are and also Auburn to kind of see where they are because a lot of people are saying that it's going to come down to an Iron Bowl as to who wins that SEC West between Auburn and Alabama. They need to get that win here, although they could lose and still win the Iron Bowl and we might be where we're at, but... I feel like still I, I like what I saw from Clemson. Uh, the new quarterback seems to be fitting in well. Uh, yeah, they lost a lot. No joke about that, but I, I feel like Clemson is still going to get the win at home. Auburn's going to keep it close, but Clemson. Clemson's going to take it. USC struggled last week at Western Michigan. They're at home against Stanford. I think this is your upset. Yeah. Stanford uh, getting the upset on USC. Uh, you know, if Sam Darnold stumbles out of the gates, I feel like Stanford's going to capitalize, and they're not going to let him come back. This time. No. And, I mean, we've seen this again before. Stanford's gone into the Coliseum and beaten USC in a very historic upset. I'm thinking now their team challenging for the Pac-12 North. What the hell? Try it again. I think they can do it. You think it's fair that they dropped a couple of uh, their number six now? Based yes. off of the Western Michigan game? Yes. You don't let Western Michigan score 41 on you. You don't. Hey, P.J. Fleck recruits really well. I mean, they PJ, did go to a New Year's Six Bowl last year. He recruited well, but guess where he is now? Minnesota. That boat's half, well, not halfway across the country because they're pretty close, but he wouldn't rowing it that day. <laughs> Personal game for me, I am a big fan of TCU, but Arkansas is my team, my homeland, my everything. Uh, I liked what I saw from Austin Allen, but it's Florida a and I, I don't know how much you can take out of that. TCU Nothing. is one of the... Nothing. Nothing. One of the TCU TCU is one of the favorites to do something in the Big Twelve. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. To do something to be a, a force, a dark horse. Yeah, they are. And <laughs> well, I don't they, know where you're getting that info from. Hey, but people are picking is. them to do something. I'm not saying they're going to be Oklahoma State and Kansas State. I'm talking about to be sneaky around there where they could be. You know, especially if Oklahoma loses here. Look, in the, big, in the Big 12 this year, if it ain't Bedlam, it ain't nothing. Pig suey. I still say it's Kansas State's going to make a run for that too, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I feel like t- TCU has a better put-together team here, but I'm going to give Arkansas the edge. And the big game, Ohio State, Saturday, 730 Taking on Oklahoma. As we saw JT Barrett struggle. 
in that first half. You know, it's, that whole team struggled in the first half. Do you think that bad. Columbus this time? Yeah, as bad as I want Baker Mayfield and the Sooners to get revenge for last year because I can't stand Ohio State, I have to give him this one based upon coaching experience. If it was, yeah. still, Bob, if it was still Bob Stoops at the helm... This is an Oklahoma win, but it isn't. I feel like this is where Urban Meyer could really take advantage of that experience. I feel like Ohio State's going to learn from the previous, although, again, that was a conference game. They're at home. They're going to do their thing and uh, beat Oklahoma. But all right, okay, now officially we can end the show. Uh, Again, appreciate you guys for listening. If you're listening along with us and you live in that Florida area, get to where you feel is safe. If you got to stay home, hunker down, do what you got to do to protect yourself. Hopefully you got all the supplies. And we hope that even though it seems, again, unlikely that we will be able to be here Monday night, Tuesday morning for the show, that we will be able to have a show as soon as possible and that we are both will be okay. So, Bro, you're, you're under a hurricane warning. You worry about that first. <laughs> yeah, but hey, I worry about you too. So mm-hmm. uh, we still got a day and a half. We're going to head out tomorrow to my grandpa's. Hopefully that's a safer location. I'm just going to have to ride it out and see what happens. I'm going to be here to stock up on food and booze. <laughs> Well, see you later, everybody. Enjoy that first weekend of NFL football. I know everybody's going to be so just excited for that. I can't wait. Hopefully my Cowboys get that win. But uh, until we're here again, safe and sound. Well, see you later, everybody. Peace. following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.